Welcome to Leadership Lessons. I'm Todd Gray, the Executive Director for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Leadership Lessons is a program where we talk to faithful leaders who are making an impact for the gospel. My guest today is Mark Dance. Mark is the Director of Pastoral Wellness at Godstone. And Mark, we're grateful for you and your ministry. And thank you for taking the time to join on Leadership Lessons today. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Dr. Gray. So our goal here is to help leaders to lead more effectively, and part of that has to do with uh, with much of your work at, at Godstone. But take a minute, if you would, just introduce yourself. Tell us anything that you think that we ought to know. Folks in Kentucky should should know about you. Well, thank you. Well, first and foremost, I'm a husband of, of Janet for 34 years. She's a PK. I'm a DK. And so uh, it's a match made in heaven. We met in college have a couple of adult kids, and we just moved to Dallas, I mean, like a week ago. But I was born here and raised uh, near Dallas, and so it's kind of homecoming. She's from San Antonio, and so Godstone's also kind of uh, a friend to everyone, right? It's like Switzerland in the SBC, <laughs> and uh, everybody loves Godstone, so it's, it's, it's great to be here. But I pastored churches for about 30 years in uh planted a church in east tennessee in the 90s when everybody named their kid peyton um and then a pastor church in conway arkansas second baptist conway 14 years and a little church where i was going to seminary so uh, a couple of interims just finished a couple of weeks ago and an interim in tulsa before we moved here but seven years ago i had an opportunity to pastor pastors at, with lifeway Dr. Rayner asked me to to start Lifeway Pastors, and that that kind of started something that's still going uh, even today. Well, I remember that Lifeway Pastors, and you always send out items. In fact, I don't think I was pastoring. I think I was probably already with the convention at that, at that time, but sure appreciate things that you were sending out, but I, I never made that connection with you. Well, you mentioned Godstone, and so Godstone is on the placard behind you, and that's where you're currently employed. So uh, most a lot of our folks will know what Godstone is, but if you would take another minute and just kind of describe Godstone or tell us what that is. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, uh, even though I'm new here, every, everyone knows that Godstone has insurance and retirement and investments. But what's interesting is why they started 100 years ago was to help retiring pastors and their widows uh, that needed help with just paying bills, getting by some of them. Uh, Today, we're still serving with mission dignity, thousands of retired ministers, missionaries, pastors that have served well but could use some help and uh, they just broke another record with uh, people just gener- in churches, conventions, generously given to, to mission dignity. So that's a lot of fun. And so they've been helping with physical and financial health for 100 years. And the new president and CEO, Hans Dilbeck, hired me to come to Oklahoma Baptist Convention a couple of years ago. And we were serving pastors together. And neither of us knew the sovereign surprise that would be him leading Godstone and him asking me to come with him to serve pastors through this this great ministry. And so, um, yeah, we just got here and we're still learning a lot about Godstone and how they're serving pastors, churches, ministries, hospitals, schools, et cetera. It's pretty vast. It's a big learning curve. 
Well, Hans's uh, predecessor, Ois Hawkins, just did incredible work in his role, and, and, and Hans is just a top-shelf guy. And, and Mark, everyone that knows you just says the same thing. You made an interesting statement just now, and before I get into questions with you, you mentioned a sovereign surprise. Right now, lots of pastors and church leaders and are just trying to figure out, am I in the right place? Am I where I need to be? And you're describing something as ministering where you were, and yet God just opened up something. Um, what would you say to the guy that's trying to figure out do I need to stay here or need to go somewhere else? Any just quick, simple advice for determining and figuring out calling? Yeah, no, the quick, simple is not easy by any means. But before you take a directional decision, just go old school fasting and prayer. You know, don't take a new position, uh, an important relationship connection or any any big moves before spending time in fasting and prayer. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to fast. But before I went to Lifeway, before I came to Guidestone, um, before I got married, I, I spent I spent some time in fasting, and it just just helps you hyper focus, and God brings clarity in those seasons. Well, I appreciate that that counsel, and appreciate you. So your current role is you are director of pastoral wellness at God at Guidestone, and so tell us about that ministry and what what made you interested in being a pastor to pastors. Yeah, so the the entry into the pastoral ministry with with Godstone was Dr. Rayner asked me to come and start it, and I had been serving as a Lifeway trustee. I was pastoring in Arkansas, served as a trustee and a trustee officer, and got a good look under the hood for eight years, and saw the potential there, and started to look for a strategy, and is the strategy that we're developing is of course new, but at the same time based on some proven principles that have worked and we're we're still working those out but basically uh it's going to mostly be on the prevention side of pastoral care uh helping them like what we're going to be doing in kentucky next month you guys are on the front lines of that you're wanting me to come and, and talk about taking pastors taking care of themselves managing their homes and their lives as well as their churches so state conventions are huge partners in the prevention side as well as the intervention side. But honestly, Lifeway and Guidestone aren't, um, you know, positioned to do a lot of the of the the downstream strategy. But we can partner with ministries that do that well, so that when we find the pastors are in a in need of clinical counseling or something um, intervention on their life or their marriage, we we can have some curated solutions for them to help kind of be that um, that that trusted voice to help them know what to do when they're not sure what to do. Sure. And so the other places, state conventions, seminaries, associations, you know, these pastor advocates have been doing this for years, for decades, for centuries. And a couple of some of them for a couple of centuries anyway. So we, we we're looking at partnering with our Southern Baptist partners, not inventing a bunch of new stuff for people to buy into. If that makes sense. It does. I've heard I've heard uh, Hans say or Dr. Gilbeck say the exact same thing that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but just trying to find ways to work together. If you think about resources that you envision Godstone offering, and maybe resource isn't the right word. Uh, maybe an approach to this pastoral wellness ministry. What are some things that you kind of have on your radar that you'd love to see happening through your your work with God Godstone? 
Yeah. So, well, some of the some of the things that we have on our radar are we're having conversations with seminaries of about having some things like a Guidestone Day, mm-hmm. where we can help them with some of the more practical matters of ministry that are in our job description. You know, that word manage is is in there twice. Yep. <laughs> so we we've been helping people manage their their health and their finances and we could have some people on site to help them with that because we i mean let's face it pastors don't have the best reputation at at um, managing their their money and preparing not just for retirement but for today and i i i was this is personal for me because when i went to seminary straight out of college i had a business degree thanks to my pastor paul powell who would eventually become a Guidestone president. But he he said, if I was to do it over again, I would I would get a secular major in college if I knew I was going to seminary. So I got a business degree, came out of there, and made about the dumbest business decision I've made in my life, right out of college and right into seminary. I bought a VCR because I had to have one. And um, and I charged I charged it with my Montgomery Wards credit card. <laughs> Mark, Mark, you've just used a whole lot of phrases there that a lot of folks have no idea. As a dinosaur, you said VCR, you said Montgomery Ward, yeah. and then you said charged it. <laughs> That's it, man. I'm old and stupid, and so I came. I came out of that. I paid for that thing twice, you know, because of the interest. And so I was engaged to Janet, who had more sense than me. And I had just enough sense to listen to her. And she said, "What if we don't do that? Because that's what pastors generally do. You know, they serve." You give everything they've got, but at the end of their ministry, they're broke. So if we live within our means, in other words, you know, live within your means. It, sure. And then you're on the other side of compound interest. And I, I ran into a Guidestone guy that gave me some, some sound, simple advice about saving some every month. And I was making a whopping $1,000 a month, so I had extra, you know. And um, I, I just... Decided to do it differently because my wife and I got on the same page early. And if we could help them when they're young, in their 20s and 30s, and most of the ministry uh, events that I do are geared toward, or I help the organizations that invite me to gear them for younger uh, ministers as and their spouses so that we can prevent some of the pain that comes with bad decisions later on. Well, thank you, brother. So, if you think about the, the the biblical justification, so there's not a there's not a you know first I'm I'm reading through First Timothy right now. There's a the office of the pastor elder. There's the office of deacon, but there's really no office for denominational worker for Godstone worker. What, what's the in your mind the biblical justification and not necessarily justification, but the impetus, the biblical impetus for the work that you're doing in pastoring pastors? Yeah, well. The, that's a great question because I had a little bit of identity crisis when I went to LifeWed. Sure. I've been a pastor since I was 22, and um, I was almost 50 when I went there. I was like, "Am I still a pastor?" And then I remembered Barnabas, mm-hmm. and um, it Barnabas helped start churches, so as did Paul. But in between those churches, if people ask them, "What do you do for a living?" they they wouldn't hesitate. I'm a pastor. You know, and sometimes they were pastoring pastors. Sometimes they were pastoring churches. Most of the time they were doing both. And, you know, we're, we still, as Dan Garland likes to say, yep. got the stink of the church on us. If we're out there 
in pulpits and we're helping on the front lines of churches, we we may we we can't determine, Dr. Gray, we can't determine our calling based on org charts. Right. This is a calling gifts and calling that are irrevocable. So I've not I've not been a pastor any less of a way, neither of my denominational brothers and sisters, if they um, if they're not on a local church staff. Thank you for mentioning Dan Garland. And and uh, anytime you mention Dan Garland in Kentucky, your stock value will will go up. And <laughs> as Dan Garland officially like to say, when he left <laughs> when he left the ministry to go to work at Lifeway, his mother said, "You're gonna you're gonna be a Bible salesman." And so he he's uh, he's well known and much loved much loved here. And and Mark, thank you for your your answer and your service to pastors. I would only add the Lord Jesus. You know, I'm thinking about in Mark chapter six, where the disciples reported back from their ministry. Jesus just ministered so much to them. And in many ways, that's what you're doing in serving leaders. That that not that not every leader has someone to care for for him, um, but you're you're doing that. So thank you for your your good work, Mark. What have you noticed? How has COVID impacted pastoral wellness? Well, I tell you, it's uh, COVID's hurt a lot of people, but it's uh, it's positively impacted my ministry. <laughs> um, in that, if you're a Barnabas, as 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 we are. Uh, pastors need us and they know they need us. And so that um, has impacted us in several ways. One, the conversations like we're having today are more and more common because we all have friends, everyone that's listening and watching, we all have friends that are not in the ministry today because they did not pay attention to their life. They may have paid attention to their doctrine or even their ministry, but not their life or their family. And, you know, Dr. Dilbeck and I love to share that verse, 1 Timothy 4, 16, pay close attention to your life. Right there at the next chapter from the job description, pay close attention to your life and doctrine uh, or teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing so, you save not only yourself, but your hearers. And this impacted pastoral ministry pastoral wellness in that everyone we have everyone's attention um not only is it these scandalous meltdown ministry meltdowns that, that make it onto the paper about you know hillsong or somebody out there but it's our friends and it's even in our lives and you know lifeway research did a very recent study at the beginning of this year that that asked pastors what their greatest needs were. And when I when I come to Kentucky for those regional meetings, I'm going to highlight those, but I'll give you a couple of teasers okay, right now. Right. Thank you. Um, and I've, I've kind of organized them according to my anecdotal evidence, but I, I see of those needs that they say they have, um, that have, that have moved the needle in the last two years. The first one's exhaustion and the second one's frustration. And these are related somehow. But past, another good thing about this, a, a different study they had showed that they're not leaving the ministry uh, at, a, at a rate different than before the pandemic. Okay. Um, that they've never been leaving in droves. Those mythical numbers came about from a straw poll back in the 70s at Fuller Seminary. Yeah, but, that's interesting. Yeah. And, so, and two, so let's just let's just touch yeah. that real quick, and you yeah. address it here. Um, what, what's the the mythical number? Sixteen hundred pastors. I don't even recall. Yeah, you know when, when you may remember in Nashville, I was living there at the time, and uh, uh, one of the, the pastor of the largest church, not it wasn't Southern Baptist, one of the, uh, when he when he left, 
his ministry, he said it was because he was burnt out, bleeding on empty. But you find out um, he also left with his secretary. Yeah. But, well, two, two of the largest Christian publishers, and I, I, I kept those, uh, one led with their headlines were 1500 a month leaving the ministry. The other one said 1700 a month. The fact is 1600 uh, Usually it's, it's 1500 I've heard it at seminaries. I've read it in books. It's been printed. H.B. London printed it in one of his books, and that's where it got some of the cred. But again, that was before you sourced things. And so um, Lifeway did a deep dive in Lifeway Research in 2015 on attrition and found out, and we dug and dug and dug, and we found out where that came from. It was a straw poll at Fuller Seminary, never meant to be published as research. And so it's never been true that 1,500, it's 250 for different reasons. And to be honest, you and I would be two of those 250. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. Because it passed, we left the pastorate, but we didn't leave the ministry. And some for, for admirable reasons and some for not so good. But the, the, the point is pastors aren't quitters. They're not sitting around looking for a way out. But they are more, they are exhausted because they've been on sprint mode too long, because they've neglected or disobeyed the Sabbath and for a bunch of other reasons. And they're frustrated because everybody's frustrated. I mean, you know, you can't look on social media or news or anywhere where somebody's not frustrated about politics or pandemic or protests or something. And everybody's upset. And so I'm here in Dallas. We're upset about the Cowboys draft and Texas Rangers pitching you know people get mad and eventually those mad people come to our church and then some of them stop coming and so it's just the frustration and the exhaustion i think it's a temporary season but i think it's a season that we're in now and we need to check our pulse great 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 counsel and great information so when you think about pastoral wellness you're approaching it from a holistic standpoint mental emotional physical spiritual all of it and probably in financial as well all of it together What's some of your best advice for a pastor who just wants to begin pursuing wellness in any or all of these ways? You know, I, I love simplicity, and uh, uh, there's no one better that dials things down than Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. When when he, when the smartest guy in the room asked him what the most important command was, everybody in the room knew what it was because they quoted it every morning and every evening, you know, every day of their life, as did their parents and grandparents. Love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. There encompasses pastoral ministry in, in a nutshell, physical, mental, emotional. I mean, it's all we Western thought sometimes compartmentalizes and separates those things. The Gnostics did it in a really even worse way. But um, the great commandments, I think, it, uh, uh, is my measure for health. And to be honest with you, I was pastoring my first 20 years of pastoring. I had the point where I was burnt out and different, you know? I mean, I could still make decisions. I could still turn the pastor button on where I would be like, hey, you know, how are you? <laughs> I could still preach, but I was different. I was a jerk. I mean, there weren't any moral meltdowns. I was, I was not in the newspaper for anything stupid, but I just different. And I got some help. I asked my doctor. Uh, some, you know, who was also a church member, and we've been on a couple of mission trips together, and he diagnosed me with clinical depression. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I really don't have time for it because we're relocating our church, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then a week later, 
a licensed therapist also in our church came by the office and she had two questions for me. My doctor had six or seven, you know, about sleep and all that stuff. And, um, but she came by, she had two. She said, first, first one was, do you know that, do you know that you're clinically depressed? I said, well, I just found out a week ago. So yes, ma'am, I do. And she said, oh, good. And then second thing, are you taking anything for it? I said, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I just got picked it up Wednesday, so I don't know if it works, but this is what it gave me. So I put them together and a couple of staff, a couple of lay leaders and my my wife, and they kind of uh, helped me get healthy again. And I s- continued to serve that church and, and for five more years. And, and those are honestly the best five of my whole ministry. So, Mark, what are some things that you do now just to continue in a, on a path of just taking care of yourself, make sure that you don't get back in that same that same hole that you were in before? Yeah, so what, what the how the Great Commandment helps me on a daily basis is it's, it's basically God's pecking order for my life. So, you know, just like the Ten Commandments bear out, he wants to be first, first love. And if I get away from him, I repent, you know, do what I did at first. It's like. Uh, so I, it's it's what I learned in church growing up. Start every day with the Lord. Uh, and and when the first pastors in history stopped devoting themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word, the, the church stopped growing because they stopped growing. So if I'm going to grow and help pastors, I've got to keep growing. I've got to keep growing as a Christian. So my walk with the Lord is my top priority. And then you know, love your neighbor. The second commandment: neighbor means nearest one. And in my house, it's Janet. So my um old i'm old school you know genesis 2 says leave your parents cleave to your wife cleave means to pursue hard i'm going to unpack that with some of the guys in kentucky next month and just about everywhere i go i'll 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 encourage them to to pursue their wife so those two relationships are the most important i have every day and if jesus and janet are happy with me then i don't need the approval of everybody else well that's so good yeah. So but if they're uh, not, then it doesn't matter how doesn't much applause I get, right? <laughs> doesn't matter who's for you. So yeah. you're mentioning relationships and first and second commandment. And um, I've read recently, and this this is another one of those unvetted numbers. There, I know they come from, from a survey. 70% of pastors say they do not have a close friend. Do you have any thoughts there about why pastors, many pastors do not have close friends and what can what can they do? Yeah, there. Here, here's the thing, and, and I'm hoping there's there's still at least three or four people listening at this point, because I I I don't want to offend anybody. But if you're lonely, it's your fault. You're surrounded by people. I'm talking to pastors, missionaries, ministers. If you're surrounded by people, then you have people that would do anything to get close to you, and you're the only reason they're not. And they're not just at inside the church, outside the church. That's another one of those myths I heard early, early on in ministry. Don't, become, don't get close to anybody in your church. How stupid is that? You know, it's my family too. Yeah. And anyway, um, I, I, I don't think that, I, I learned the hard way, Todd, that my wife doesn't need as many friends as, as I do. I didn't right. understand the whole introvert, extrovert thing. She's a card-carrying introvert. She needs a couple of people. Yeah. And um, and she needs some time to recover after she's with people, right? Absolutely. And half half of the people listening are those people, and that's not a 
it's not a disorder. It's just some are energized by people, some aren't. But everyone, everyone needs friends. And nobody needs isolation. But it always is always on us to pursue friendships. I'm in a brand new city. We've lived here less than two weeks. Yeah. And I spent Sunday afternoon watching my high school friend, best friend play tennis. Well. Wow. I, I drove 45 minutes to watch him play a tennis match. I'm pursuing friendship. Yeah. Right. And and uh, so that's on me. If I don't have any friends here in Dallas, I'm not going to blame the world. I'm going to blame me. So a man that has friends must show himself friendly. So uh, think about a pastor, uh, Mark, and you, you understand denominational life, um, SBC connections, uh, state convention, associations, and then local other pastors in the area. What are what are some uh, immediate avenues available to any pastor, we just say in Kentucky, if they say, I don't have anybody I can talk to about the challenges I'm going through right now, who are two or three folks that just from your clear knowledge of State convention work, they could clearly, they could quickly call. Yeah, you know, well, your your AMS or DOM, whatever you want to call them, these guys know the pastors really well. They know they know their spouses many times, and we need to guard also the relationships for our spouse, especially if they have children at home. Make sure they have at least one friend that they're connecting to. That's part of our leadership responsibility. You're, you also have, uh, I love Kentucky Baptists have a great regional strategy. So you have yep. folks that live and work in the regions so that you don't have to go back to, you know, Lexington or somewhere. There are people there that not only will be your friend, but they'll help curate friendships and connect you with people locally because all the online national friendships are awesome. And I, I thrive on those, but I need some face-to-face life on life, somebody investing in me. A disciple maker needs to be discipled, right? And yep. so that means somebody's pouring into me that 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 I can at least connect with once a month. I think that's a reasonable goal. Just find some guys you can sit down and get a cup of coffee with or or a barbecue sandwich and, and laugh and make fun of yourself and make fun of each other. Is, it can be life-giving. Mark, yes. you're founder of a ministry called Care for Pastors, with the four being the number four, Care, number four, Pastors. Tell us about that. Uh, what's it about and how can folks be involved? You know, it's fairly new. I just made some friends at, uh, seven years ago at Lifeway, started making friends that also serve pastors. And honestly, Care for Pastors is just a bunch of Barnabases. Uh, state, uh, regional or, you know, associational. Some are Baptists, some are non-Baptists. Some are in the seminary world. Some are in the research world. Some are uh, st- um, state conventions or networks. But if they're cheering on pastors, somebody needs to cheer them on. And so we just have a summit, a, a biennial every other year. We'll have one in Kansas City next next year. We've had three so far, and and basically we swap ideas and encouragement. Sometimes collaborate on things, but it's not an organization that you have to join or pay fees. It's just a basically a network of Barnabases is what it is. So you you'd mentioned wanting to strengthen relationships with seminaries. That seminaries could go a long way in helping pastors develop good self-care habits. Um, how are you going about that? How do you hope to connect with the, uh, we have six Southern Baptist seminaries in the, in the, in the States. How do you yeah. hope to connect with them? Well, I, 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 you know, graduated from Southwestern and Southern, but I would, I, I, I'm not an academician and I'm not, it's not false humility. I'm just not. And yet every seminary, uh, plus Canada has invited me to do at least one, uh, event, some of them, a handful of events, and I wondered why at first when we did a lot, a lot of those were Lifeway, some of them were, 
But what I realized is what, what you said at the beginning of this is that they started to realize that, that, that we weren't preparing or they needed help preparing these ministry leaders for life. Yeah. And, and they connect with Joe Pastor more than sometimes the academia because, it, to your point, this uh, prepare, being prepared not only for your, uh, your life, but also your doctrine, they've got the doctrine part covered. Almost nobody's leaving the ministry because of doctrinal issues. It's the life issues. And so the seminaries are very open and eager to partner with anybody. They don't care which organization, as long as you do it well, that can help cheer on their ministers. And so a lot of what we're doing is marriage. My wife and I started doing marriage events after going to Lifeway. We, you know, I've been a pastor for 27 years at that point and never done a marriage event. And now we've done over a hundred of them only wow. for, only for ministry couples. We, we, we don't do them for churches cause we don't have time, but the, the absolute interest that one of the first ones is, was yours, Kentucky Baptist Convention invited us. It was a, one of the first we did that was a retreat. Shepherding, and you guys, like shep shepherding the shepherd. Oh, my stars. You guys are phenomenal. And, and a lot can learn from you because some will only do it every few years because they save up their money. But in my opinion, the fact that you guys work with a corporate sponsor like a hospital or something means that you, yep. can, you can bless these ministry couples and you do a fantastic job with it. Well, thank you for that. And by the way, if Godstone ever wants to invest financially in our shepherding the shepherd, uh, it's a it's a great we do it every year to administers to a lot of a lot of couples. And Mark, thank you so for for participating in that. I would say this. So today, this week is a Great Commission Week at Southern Seminary here in Louisville. They had uh, Dr. Chitwood in yesterday at chapel and then to speak with students. They have Kevin Ezell in tomorrow. They brought KBC in today, kind of in the middle. But there's a guy over there we'd love to connect you with. I think could sure help if, if you're not already connected, can make that um, help that work. It's kind of yes. like uh, helping students think about wellness is a little bit like premarital counseling. They're not going to pay that much attention to it while they're in seminary, but boy, they're going to they're going to need it when they get started leading churches and yes. might remember some things that they that they heard. Well, Amen. what would what are one or two things that you would just say to pastors and church leaders that they could do just to stay vibrant in their in their role? Just keep pursuing your wife. Yeah. If you have preschoolers at home, you cannot do it like you did it before kids and what well, like you'll do it afterwards. And so, you know, don't be discouraged when it gets hard. But don't stop doing it because I have a lot of friends and family that get all the way to the 25th anniversary and they're surprised when the last kid leaves and there's no marriage left. And it happens to pastors all the time. So pursue Jesus every day. Pursue your wife every day, even in small ways. And your in your 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 ministry will indirectly and sometimes directly be blessed because you know our, our ministry will never be stronger than our marriage. And 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 we're discipling them in the way that we treat our wife. And you know all these things, pastors. I'm just reminding you what you already know. But it's not that hard to be a great commandment pastor. Just love the Lord and love the people, starting with your closest, nearest neighbor, and 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 also to the neighbor who lives right next door and across the street from you and around the world. Mark, that's a. I just got to tell you, 30 years of. Christian ministry. That's some of the best advice I've ever heard is to pursue your wife. And and the most natural relationship for a ministry leader is your is your spouse. And boy, just building that relationship is just gonna 
reap dividends of joy for hopefully many, many years to come. So you've already mentioned you're going to be in Kentucky. Uh, four dates, I think, at the end of May. If folks go to kybaptist.org to learn more or to register. And I think you're kind of giving us a kind of a good commercial for you being here. Anything else you want to say to those who uh, might be thinking about whether or not they should attend? What, why, why should they make time for this gathering? Because we're going to have a good time. And this is going to be a little more conversational than it is presentational. So if you think some, some you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to come up there with some slick presentation, forget it. Some of you know me already. I'm a bow hunter. Kentucky is one of the best places in the world to live, to, to fish and to hunt. And I, I can't wait to see you there. And I guarantee I know Kentucky Baptist enough to know that we're going to eat well when we get there also. You just you just gained some supporters right right there with your, with, the, with the bow bow hunting. All right, so real quick, uh, what's one thing about you that others may not? You already told us you're a bow hunter. Something yeah. else about you that others may not know. Well, um, I guess it would be that um, I was discipled by Leonard Ravenhill when I was a teenager. Wow. Now might surprise people as a Southern Baptist kid. It was very unintentional on my part, but he was a neighbor, and. Um, I got to uh, be part of his prayer meetings and Bible studies on Friday nights for a couple of years. And um, and that answers another question you had, which is your favorite author. And because of my friendship with him, he's also my favorite author. So, so your favorite book of his? Um, I have one in mind, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> you know, I think I think I think why Revival Terry's might be my favorite one. Yeah. Yeah. It's he did good. a compilation of Ian Bounds, though, which is right up there at the top. That so. book just has a resurgence. I think it's having kind of a resurgence uh, even even right now. Uh, one leadership principle, you may have already told it to us, but one leadership principle that you try to live by, Mark. Yeah, I think I already told it. I'm just going to stick with, uh, you know, your, your ministry will never be stronger than your marriage. Yeah. So, you know, pay attention. Pay attention to your life and to your marriage, and I think your ministry will be will be blessed. If Jesus and Janet are satisfied with your life and ministry, then then um, it's probably going to be okay from what I, what I hear you saying. It's my experience, yes. Brother, we're, I'm grateful that you are part of God's stone and that you're serving there with, with Dr. Dilbeck. He is a blessing. You are as well. Amen. I just can't imagine how the many ways that God's going to use you to help Southern Baptists and Kentucky Baptists. Thank you for your ministry, and thank you for uh, taking the time to join on Leadership Lessons. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Leadership Lessons. This program is made possible by the generous contributions by Kentucky Baptist through the cooperative program. For more information about the Kentucky Baptist Convention, go to kybaptist.org. And for news about how Kentucky Baptist churches are making a difference, go to kentuckytoday.com.